Hi all and welcome to Skills for Mars Future of Work. Today I'm hosting Vincent Bakker, the co-founder of Positive Energy. Positive Energy is a digital platform that is simplifying the way renewable energies get financed. Join our discussion to hear all about the growth of the industry, the jobs that are available, transferable skills and the potential of automation. If you like the series, consider subscribing to it. We are present on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify and all the major social media channels. Every week, a new guest will share their insights on the future of work. And now I give you Vincent. Hi, Vincent, and welcome to Skills for Mars Future of Work. I'm really glad to be hosting you. Hi, Julia. Thank you. Thank you for hosting me. Could you start by introducing yourself and Positive Energy? Sure. So my name is Vincent Bakker. Uh, I'm from the Netherlands. Uh, I started my career working for Shell, uh, an oil company, first in the Netherlands, then in Kazakhstan, then in Singapore. Uh, always working on uh, investments, so that's things like M&A, uh, capital investments, uh, exploration, divestments, but also government negotiations. So uh, a lot of finance and investment work. Uh, two years ago, I was kind of done with working for a big oil company. Uh, I believe I wanted to work into renewable energy. I think it's more promising. I also wanted to do something with a bit more personal accountability and responsibility than you would get in, uh, in a big oil company. Uh, so I co-founded Positive Energy. And Positive Energy, it's a digital platform for renewable energy investments. So it's a platform where we help those companies building solar farms, wind farms, uh, biomass plants. We help them to find investors for their projects. It's a very fragmented industry. Uh, because the projects tend to be much smaller and more distributed than oil and gas. Uh, and that's why these, uh, yeah, these matching platforms uh, helps the industry to, uh, to deploy the capital. Let me go back a bit. You moved from traditional uh, to, non, to renewables. Uh, was there any particular reason other than that the industry is growing? Well, of course, uh, oil and gas is not too good for the planet. <laughs> Um, I'm not uh, I'm not anti-oil because I can't say that after having been there for nine years. Uh, and I also believe that we have built uh, the whole society. Uh, uh, the fact that we can uh, have hospitals, trains, uh, tractors uh, to, to, to plow the land. Uh, it's all based on fossil fuel. Um, but I do believe the future is in renewables uh, for the planet uh, and also indeed for business. So let me ask you, because this is, this is really curious and maybe I have the wrong impression. But are renewables really just as good as uh, and non-polluting, more non-polluting than the than the traditional? Yeah. Or are they still somewhere in between? I mean, I mean, we are polluting the environment with renewables as well, while we are producing them. Of course, the the only way not to pollute is not to use electricity, because then uh, you're not polluting with energy. Um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions and uh, a lot of uh, lobbyists, especially from the US, uh, are not really helping uh, by uh, blaming uh, the non-recyclability of, uh, of solar panels and, 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 uh, and wind turbines. Um, to put it in perspective, if you look at the life cycle uh, CO2 emissions of solar power versus a very efficient coal power plant, you're talking about at least a factor of 20 less. So we're talking about 95% carbon savings. And it's taking into account the coal power used to produce those panels in China. 
So there's still efficiency gain to be made. Um, as panels become more efficient, uh, you will get lower and lower than that. Uh, wind turbines, uh, wind turbines are already about 90% recyclable. So the misconception that uh, renewable energy is, is, is bad for the environment uh, is simply not true. There's a carbon footprint, yes, uh, and a material footprint, uh, but tiny compared to, to traditional methods. Oh, but I'm so I'm so happy we are debunking that right now because wherever you read, there's still this misconception that they they are renewable, but they are still costing us a lot for the for the environment. And then the other is it is this a myth as well that uh, renewables got to be very cheap, but the cheaper they are, the more energy we consume. So in the end, we are not reducing energy consumption, but we are re- increasing energy consumption because it got to be very cheap. I don't really see that happening. Um, I don't know if you ever looked into your electricity bill and thought, that's cheap. Let me let me boil some water for nothing. No, but I thought because it's because I'm in the <laughs> Netherlands. <so>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the incentive might to some extent be there. Uh, the cheaper the electricity, uh, some things becomes more affordable. Um, I think you're right there. I don't think the, the the push will be so significant. Uh, nobody likes waste because you still need to pay uh, for the electricity. Definitely. Okay. So two myths debunked already. Um, Vincent, you told me that uh, that the renewable market is growing. Where is it growing and how much is growing? So if anyone wants to get into the market, whether they want to invest in it, whether they want to get hired in it, where and how is it growing? Yeah. So uh, the first thing to mention there is that the market is super dynamic. Mm-hmm. And uh, a report that you read half a year ago uh, is not relevant anymore today. Uh, maybe to give you one example close to my home. Um, in uh, 2016 or 17, uh, PwC uh, wrote a report about the potential of solar. And Vietnam, they thought, well, Vietnam, they're going to import coal. Not interesting. Maybe they'll install $50 million somewhere in, uh, in the coming 10 years. Fast forward two years, and rather than $50 million, $8 billion was invested in solar power alone uh, in the two years after that report. Uh, that shows how enormously dynamic it is. Um, Europe, where uh, until recently people thought, well, most of the wind farms have been built, uh, is now announcing a huge stimulus package, which also includes uh, a lot of uh, renewable energy. So Europe will become once again uh, a hotbed for renewable energy investments. And I, so, and I think it's an amazing uh, time because I think oil and gas is not doing really well. The companies that I know and, and I'm working with, they are letting people go. So I think it's a good time to make a switch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, oil and gas, uh, if, if the oil price sinks to $30 per barrel, uh, your current oil fields will still produce but you will not make any new investments and you will not have money to keep a lot of stuff on your balance sheet. So, yeah, I think uh, the oil industry, but even more so the service industry, uh, there will be a lot of people uh, looking for a job. Yeah. Um, Vincent, are they the same type of jobs that you would find in, in uh, traditional energy or are they, are there, is there something different? I think there's similarities and there's differences. I think the, 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 um, a wind farm, a solar farm, a biomass plant, uh, it still requires uh, skilled operational uh, staff. Um, staff that's currently running a refinery uh, will very quickly be able to be trained to run anything on biofuels 
and with maybe a bit of more training, uh, will be able to uh, to work, for instance, uh, on a wind farm or solar farm. Um, I think there will be a few differences, though, at the same time. Some jobs are extremely specialized. Uh, take, for instance, oil and gas. Uh, the people that know how to drill five kilometers under the ground in a certain type of geography, geology, that work is irrelevant for oil and gas. Um, so it is the, the potentially highly skilled labor, highly specialized labor, uh, that might find it difficult to switch. Uh, the second change that I expect is uh, a more distributed uh, world. Uh, oil and gas, due to the nature of the economies of scale, is highly concentrated. Uh, refineries are huge complexes where thousands of people work. I think renewables, because you can scale it, I can make a solar farm of any size I want, um, will be more distributed. So there will be maybe more local jobs and less centralized jobs. Do you think this will bring uh, some leadership issues and some competency issues with it because it is distributed, because more people, smaller companies can start working in renewables? Yeah, it's a very different market. Uh, oil and gas is, is mega companies uh, with endless bureaucracy, huge procedures, endless guidelines. And you have to because you're working with explosive gases. So. Um, if there's any uncertainty, you rather stop your project for a week to make absolutely sure that nothing can go wrong. Um, that mindset is critical uh, to perform safely with millions of barrels of explosive oil and gas. Uh, at the same time, it's not a mentality that works if you need to be do minimal and repetitive work. Um, so I think a challenge for leadership and for, for the companies that are currently in oil and gas to switch from a highly from mega projects structure, bureaucracy, a lot of overhead uh, to become much more efficient, smaller uh, network organizations, uh, that might be a problem. So what are, you, what are you seeing in renewables? What are the skills that you can easily find on the market and what are the skills that you have issues finding in the market and they have to be developed? And I'm talking, I'm not necessarily talking about highly specialized, right, installing and so on, but, but more towards leadership and, and how you see it, right? It's more agile uh, versus oil and gas. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a lot of people require project management skills and uh, there's a lot of people with project management skills. Um, I think it might, and, and, and I think people coming from oil and gas that are used to really complex project management skills uh, might actually, if they are able to switch their mindset uh, to a more efficient, nimble approach, uh, might really fit the profile there to kind of manage these projects. Um, I don't see a problem there. Um, I think where it will be uh, more complex is when you talk about, for instance, uh, the grid. Um, traditional, and now moving away from oil and gas, but more into traditional power generation, um, a few big coal power plants and a very thick cable to the city. You push the electricity there uh, and you're done. Um, the moment we start working into renewables, and especially when you talk about um, uh, distributed generation, uh, people have solar panels on their roof. So maybe at lunchtime, your suburb is producing electricity and sending it back to the grid uh, because nobody's at home, but those panels are producing power. Now, this is all great because you need less centralized power. You need, you're more resilient, but it requires a very different grid. Uh, I think that is uh, is an area where not a lot of people yet are skilled in. Got it. And 
Do you think the COVID-19 affected in any way the renewables market, especially in what concerns jobs? Is it still growing or is it just as affected as oil and gas right now? It's by far not as affected. Um, the whole uh, power demand has, has dropped, of course, mm-hmm. uh, but only with 8%. Now, um, an 8% drop in demand that you will notice it on your P&L, uh, but it's not as bad as an airline, for example, uh, or as oil and gas where your revenues are cut by half. Now, that, that hurts. Uh, that hurts enormously. So uh, what we see in renewables, um, it's actually quite promising. I recently did a survey in Asia amongst uh, renewable energy professionals uh, to ask them the question, what do you see the impact of COVID? Um, half of the people see uh, seeing a decrease in activity, but half of the people see business as usual. So that's not as negative as some other industries. Looking forward, actually, most people are quite positive about the second uh, half year uh, when it comes to, uh, to, to the deployment of renewable energy. And I think that makes sense because if I ask people, okay, um, why do you see a decrease in activities? There's no structural issues. The reasons that people mention to me uh, are travel restrictions, uh, meeting restrictions, work from home restrictions. Now, those are things that can be overcome. We get used to a new norm. Um, things like the interest rates are going up or the capital markets are down are hardly mentioned. I think positive energy grew quite a lot in this in this uh, period, right? At some point I was reading, and I think it was end of the year, you had around 300 customers and now you were moving towards 500. Yeah, so in uh, indeed, end of the year we were around 300 and now we're around uh, 1,500 registered uh, users. Uh, so it really exploded. Wow. Um, in February, we were, at, or end of February, we were at $300 million worth of project listed. Uh, we've doubled that over the last uh, two or three months. Um, I think it has a combination of two things. Uh, first of all, the fact that that's mentioned, uh, renewable energy is continuing. Uh, but the second thing, we're a digital platform for investments. People that want to do investments, they cannot go to conferences anymore. They cannot visit their clients. So where are they going to go? Uh, That's why they, uh, luckily, uh, they find our platform. We weren't too sure about that uh, because February was really, really, really bad. Uh, Conferences were canceled. People didn't know what was happening. Uh, The traffic on our platform was extremely low. Uh, We didn't get any new projects. uh, So we thought, okay, this uh, this is it. Um, uh, But March and April, it started uh, picking up uh, very, very big time. So I think you must be hiring now. You basically five times the business in five months, right? Are you hiring or? We hope to be hiring soon. Okay. Uh, we're currently still fundraising. Okay. And uh, when we have some uh, some funding secured, uh, for sure, we will be looking to expand our business development teams in the countries. Uh, what kind of roles will we be looking for? Maybe someone is uh, listening and uh, wants to raise their hand uh, and join Positive Energy. Well, absolutely. Well, you can always raise your hand and contact me if you are uh, able to find us more project opportunities in our target countries, uh, or if you are uh, potentially a software developer and you have experience with building uh, platforms, uh, then uh, happy to talk to you. And this has to be blockchain, right? Because uh, Positive Energy, the platform is built on blockchain. Or- yeah, so we work with, we work with investments and uh, we are going to use a blockchain layer uh, for uh, an immutable audit rule to, to control user access rights and for the authenticity of information. But having said that, uh, blockchain is something that we'll implement uh, at the future. Again, 
once you have funding. Cool, got it. And uh, Vincent, I'll ask you the same questions that I'm asking everyone. Are you recruiting remotely or are you just recruiting in Singapore? Or are you okay? We to- are absolutely recruiting remotely. Um, we are working remotely now for a few months. And uh, so has our staff always in, uh, in other countries. So there's no problem with working uh, virtually. Perfect. I will make sure to put a link in the description so those who are interested, they can immediately contact you. Absolutely. I also wanted to ask you, Vincent, because everyone in every industry is afraid of automation. Are renewables going to be automated? Is that possible or not so much? I think renewables will see uh, a very high level of automation indeed. Um, I think when, especially when it comes to the operational phase, um, when it comes to traditional infrastructure, when it's all bespoke, uh, complex infrastructure, uh, it requires people on the ground that understand it. When it comes to uh, solar or wind, those are very repetitive, uh, you know, the wind, hundreds of the same windmills. Um, people are learning to become more cost competitive because you don't have the oil and gas margins. So I do see a lot of automation. Uh, most of the solar plants are completely controlled by AR, AI or remotely. Um, the inspection of wind turbines is done by drones, so they don't even need to do, that can have a camera that, that can shoot so fast, um, they don't even need to stop the turbines because the camera is just looking at it. Um, so especially on the, uh, on the operation and maintenance side, uh, I think there will be a lot of automation. And do you think this, this will come in 5, 10, 15 years? I know it's just a guess. I think it's, uh, it will come slowly. Uh, I think it's already there to a lot of extent. Uh, that doesn't mean there's no jobs mm-hmm. because to, to build the installations, uh, that work will absolutely continue. And um, with a continuous need for power, uh, those jobs will be there. Got it. Uh, I, let's debunk another myth. Maybe it's a myth, maybe, maybe it's not. I also read that um, while everyone is really uh, for renewables, right, you can, you can see why and you can understand why once it comes to the point that um, I as a user would need to have a winter by next to me I would say oh no but I don't want a winter winter by next to me or I don't want a solar panel next to me is it is it true do you have to lobby not at the higher level government level but you have to get the message down to the consumer as well yeah, I think as any uh, as any nearby infrastructure project, uh, you always need to talk to the local people. And uh, in Europe, especially, there's a lot of nimbyism of yes, I want green energy, but that windmill is uh, is so far away. Um, I can understand that if a windmill is really close, if your windmill is next door, because can you imagine that with having this conversation and and it and it goes like this, and you have that in front of your window twenty four seven, I would personally go crazy. And with the trend of windmills becoming bigger and bigger, that area of people that is affected by that, that, that shadow uh, is getting bigger. Having said that, if I, if I read well, why people actually complain, uh, it's usually because it's really far at the horizon. Uh, there's not this annoying shadow at all. They just find it ugly. Uh, I think that's a bit of a weak argument uh, because how can you talk about aesthetics uh, saying it's ugly when... Uh, a coal power plant is 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 a hundred times more uglier, and if it's about aesthetics, uh, I think the uh, yeah the environment should uh, maybe prevail over something that you see five hundred uh, meter on the horizon. Um, it exists, uh, but I think the the resistance is 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 relatively low compared to really hardcore industry. 
And then yeah, taking on your example, I actually think they look beautiful, the windmills. Good. I think they're 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 they are a feat of engineering, honestly. And when you ah. see them being mounted up, it's it's just incredible what we managed to do. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> well, I definitely nicer than a coal plant. I'm come I'm coming from a, <laughs> from a location in which uh, uh, there's mining, and that's not ah. a beautiful site. That is not a beautiful city. Not a beautiful site. Not happy people. I can imagine. Yeah. Well, one trend that we actually see that kind of addresses both is uh, offshore wind. Okay. Um, which used to be very expensive because, of course, to build something that can stand in the ocean is expensive. Um, uh, but where, and this might be an interesting transfer of skills, um, those people that know how to build offshore drilling platforms that can, in the middle of the wave, still drill to oil, uh, they can actually, uh, they're now using that technology uh, to build wind farms on the sea. And sometimes it's not just a concrete structure, it's actually a floating uh, semi-submerged uh, windmill. Uh, if you go to the ocean, uh, the wind blows faster, so your wind turbines produce more power. Uh, it's unobstructed, and people can't complain it's next to their house. Do we still have to find a way to store renewable energy, or did we already find a solution to that? Um, we are getting better and better at it. Uh, storage is still very expensive. Uh, the power, that the, the, the metals that you need uh, for batteries, lithium-ion, uh, is a rare metal, and of course, with a lot of batteries being built, it's getting rarer and rarer. Um, at this point in time, however, uh, if you look at places where they run on diesel generators, then uh, solar power combined with batteries uh, is already cheaper than, uh, than the diesel generators. And the prices are getting lower and lower, and indeed, I think we'll reach a point where it will be cheaper to build solar with some sort of storage than to keep your coal power plant running. And that is really the moment when uh, all the fossil fuels can, uh, can be stopped. There's a lot of technologies there. Um, batteries is one, but it's expensive. Uh, another one is to pump water up a lake. So you have a reverse hydro then. Uh, and they're experimenting with a lot of other uh, kind of heat storage, cold storage, and other combinations. I'm looking forward to that future. What's next for, yeah. for, for you and what's next for positive energy? Well, for positive energy, uh, we, uh, we recently uh, closed our first deal in Singapore. Uh, so we're helping with an uh, agricultural waste uh, to energy project. Um, yeah, we hope that uh, that puts ourselves more uh, on the radar. And uh, we hope to, hope to grow our business in Asia uh, in the short term. And uh, yeah, in the longer term, uh, yeah, deploy our platform across the world. Yeah, that's what I wanted to, to, to ask. When, uh, when is the next of the world next on uh, the plan? Well, we're already actively global. So we currently have a project in Nigeria, uh, Mexico, Ukraine. Um, so we are quite global. Um, but it's a bit of a side activity. So I hope that um, maybe uh, end of this year we can uh, be more active in Europe. And end of next year we might even be active in uh, all the Americas and in Africa. Fingers crossed. And if anyone wants to find you, is LinkedIn the best place? LinkedIn. Uh, our website, uh, wherever you can find me, I'll try to respond within a day. Perfect. Vincent, did I forget to ask you something maybe that you wanted to let everyone know about renewables and I didn't think of it? Um, well, maybe two things. Uh, first of all, renewables are cheaper than coal and cheaper than gas since 2016. So the whole misconception that is driven on subsidies uh, is very misplaced. That's the first thing I'd like to, uh, to like to get out there. Uh, and the second thing, 
uh, if you're an uh, investor looking for renewable energy projects, or if you have a renewable energy project and you're looking to uh, to do for investors, then uh, let me know. Perfect. Thank you so much, Vincent, and thanks for doing this at the, this uh, late hour for you in Singapore. That's okay. Thanks for the interview. Always a pleasure talking to talking with you. Okay. Thanks, Julia. Yeah.